I just I shared with uh, uh, the week a week ago Wednesday about the death of Vin Scully. Uh, some of you have heard that Olivia Newton-John passed away recently. She dealt with uh, breast cancer, and there's just a lot going on. And in our own congregation, um, I've been texting back and forth with uh, some of the folks here who we've we've had a few co- uh, a few difficult diagnoses uh, with people who. I've gotten some bad news, and it's and it's pretty um, staggering what they're facing. And uh, I won't bring up names right now, but there's two families going through some difficult stuff with cancer, and uh, they need a miracle of God. And so this is a scripture that actually came to my heart, and I was able to text to one of the family members. Would you stand to your feet if you're able to stand with us for the reading of Psalm 121? Where does my help come from? This is. A song of ascents, I'll explain that in a moment. Psalm 121. The Psalms are medicine for our souls. We need it. And here's what it says. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come or where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, Verse 4, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. And all God's people said... Amen. You can have a seat. Father, thank you so much for your living word. Your word is living and powerful. It is able to build up, to comfort, to challenge. And oh, how we need it, Lord. We need medicine for our souls. And thank you that we have help from on high. As we call out to heaven, as we call upon the name of the Lord, The good news is that we have an advocate on high, our great high priest, Jesus. We're going to talk about his ministry toward us today. But I pray, Lord, I know in a room like this and those who are watching via live stream, uh, there are many situations where they're above us. They're too much for us, Lord. We just don't have the answer. We don't have the goods to make it through. But we have help from on high. And our eyes are going to look up not just to the hills, but above the hills to the heavens where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Would you pour uh, grace in our time of need, Lord? Would you pour help to those specifically, those families that we mentioned and those who need it today? We all need it, Lord. So just sanctify this time. Set it apart for your purposes. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Heading above Psalm 129 says a song of ascents or a song of degrees. If you're taking notes, Psalms 120 through 134 are called the song of ascents. You say, what does that mean? It's the idea of ascending up to Jerusalem for the three major feast days. That would be Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, tabernacles in the fall. So if you were an able-bodied Jew... Wherever you may live, whether you lived in Galilee, in the land of Israel, or in a distant land, you were called upon to make a pilgrimage to the holy city. And as you made that pilgrimage, you always ascended, you always went up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem 
uh, is on a hill and Mount Zion, or what we know as Mount Moriah, is the Temple Mount. And that's where the Temple of Solomon was ultimately built and then Herod's Temple. And uh, if you have had a chance to go to Israel, the first time we went, I believe it was 2006, and when we went to Israel, we started in the north. So we were in the Galilee region where Jesus did all that ministry around the Sea of Galilee. And then the trip concluded with a trip to Jerusalem. And I remember uh, standing on the Mount of Olives and looking toward the holy city. And there are a couple of Muslim shrines there at, at, at this time. But you, you start to get the idea. You get a view of the, this incredible place. And it, and it really is a, uh, I'll call it a significant moment to visit the Holy Land and to see Jerusalem close up and to see this city. And this would be really something that the Jewish people would look forward to, almost like maybe you look forward to Christmas or a major holiday. They would all move in caravan and they would go toward the holy city. And it could take days or even weeks. And they would sometimes go with small groups of families or maybe in caravan. And as they went, they sang songs. Some of you have playlists that you like on your road trips. Can I get a witness? And you got some traveling music and you enjoy that music. Well, for the Jewish people, the songs of ascent, they would actually sing as they, as they went uh, traveling to the holy city. Some scholars say that they would sing them in what's called antiphonal praise. One line would be sung by like the head of a family, and then there would be a responsive line. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And then they would respond, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And they would go and they would move through Psalms 120 through 134 as they made the pilgrimage toward the holy city, anticipating the moment when they would see the temple mount and when they would know they would enter into the courts of the Lord. So Psalm 121 um, follows, you know, you, it, it opens with Psalm 120, the first song of ascent, you'll notice, but it follows Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, and if I asked you the theme of Psalm 119, I think many of you could say it. It's all about the Word of God, right? What the Word of God does in our lives. If you look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, you can see this idea of pilgrimage when it says these words. Your Word, Psalm 119, 105, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so as the people were traveling there's a spiritual uh, reality that I want you to get your arms around today, and it's this. We are on a spiritual pilgrimage. We are moving through this world. This is not our home. We are aliens and sojourners, the Bible says, in many ways, exiles in a for foreign land. And we are headed toward the ultimate holy city, a place that God has prepared for us, the house of the Lord where David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? But we've got to navigate this life. And this life is challenging and difficult. And there are times when we, it feels like smooth sailing, but there are many times as we navigate this life where we have to face the cold, hard reality of a sin-cursed world, of the reality of our mortality, 
and difficult diagnoses and difficult relationships and things that don't always go the way that we would plan. I said at first service we had planned a, a beach vacation uh, Brenda and I and the family, the boys were a little bit younger at the time, and we were given the privilege of uh, having a motor home, and it was given to us really at no cost. And so we headed down to do some beach camp camping down, I think it was the San, San Clemente area. And as we were heading towards the site, all excited to do some beach camping, we got a flat tire in the motorhome, pulled over to the side of the road. You've got three young boys, you know, bouncing off the walls. We had to wait for help to get the tire changed. We ended up at the campsite. We set up camp. You know, it's kind of exhausting. Sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation. Can I get a witness? And, you know, you have all these visions of the glory that will happen, the sunsets that will happen, the surf is going to be perfect. And all of a sudden, reality hits. We parked the motorhome, set up camp, got everything ready and ready. Red ants invaded the whole uh, area. And so it was like, you know, we just, we had to basically relocate. We ended up finally at the campsite. We, we did have a fun week there. But on the way back, we, I pulled into the place. The motorhome was without a scratch. I felt so good. And then the lady said, oh, uh, did you gas it up? And I said, uh, no. She said, well, you don't want to pay for what we pay, what we'll charge you per gallon. So go to the gas station around the corner, fill it up. And you'll be good. Pastor Michael pulled into the gas station, gassed it up, but made the turn a little bit early. And I heard, and I was like, no, that, that's nothing that I'm driving. I, I didn't cause that damage, did I? Well, I turned a little bit early. The light of the thing was hanging and there was a big old scratch on the side. And Pastor Michael was walking in the spirit at the gas station. Oh, I was so spiritual. You would have been totally impressed with how spiritual I was at that moment. We, we, sometimes we have these visions of what a trip is going to be like. And, you know, sometimes it does go well, but let's face it. Life has a lot of twists and turns. And as you traveled on foot or maybe, you know, uh, in caravan... You know, there's all the stuff that goes with it. All our humanity comes out on the trips, the kids, the, you know, the ups and downs, the potholes, the peaks and valleys. It's just reality, right? So even as the uh, people are moving in caravan, they, they say this, and, and this has some resolve to it. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. I will some of the translations say, lift up my eyes to the hills. I, I think there has to be some resolve sometimes in the way that we approach our Christian life. I am going to stand on this promise. I am going to lift my eyes to where my Lord is rather than looking at everything around me. I'm going to lift my eyes up to where Jesus is. I'm going to keep my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith. Now, you can kind of get the feeling of the psalm of ascent. If you look at just the very next psalm, here's when they realized the arrival. I was glad when they said, Psalm 122, verse 1, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem that is built as a city that is compact together. 
Uh, skip down to verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is where we get that verse at the, in the Psalms of Ascents. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brothers and my friends, I will now say may peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Some of you have heard that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's the verse. And it's in what's called the Psalm of Ascents or the Song of Degrees. And you'll also see this title. It's kind of a synonym for ascending. It's degrees or climbing degrees, if you will. And in the Christian life, we're moving from one degree of glory to another. Amen? We are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And as God does that conforming work, you know, it, it can be challenging at times. It can be hard. This is uh, 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18. It says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church, that was 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18. He's saying God is doing a work. He is causing us to move from one degree of glory to another, changing us more into the image of Jesus Christ. And I would love to tell you from this pulpit that that happens to me when everything's cool in my life and it's smooth sailing and there's no flat tire in the RV and I don't scrape the side and all that. I'll tell you this. Most of the deep conforming has happened to me in the deeper struggles of life. I don't invite them into my life. If, if you are praying in a circle and someone says, send me a trial, O Lord, because I'm too comfortable. Release their hand. You don't want any of that rubbing off on you. <laughs> but here's the, here's the truth. I'm kind of joking. Because the truth is that when life gets difficult, it makes us ask the question, where does help come from? How do we answer these most difficult questions of life? There are question marks in our souls about life and death and heaven and hell and and all these things that we wrestle with, maybe it's a question for you. Maybe you're asking it today. This is a psalm of trust. And the question is, where does your help come from? Are you self-reliant? Are you a self-made person? You know, you got to stay on constant vigilance if that's you. And I get that. I, I get that human uh, desire to have the wheel, to be in control but you're going to hit some crossroads and perhaps you have recently where you don't have control. And that's a lot of times when faith is born or perhaps you come back to the faith is when you hit adversity that's too big for you. There are questions in this life that are way too big for me. And the question is, is there help? Where does our help come from? Do we just have to grin and bear it? Well, I will lift up my eyes. Morgan says that God is also with us in the valley of distance. Even as we are making the sojourn, he's with us. Psalm 5, verse 3 says these words. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. David wrote this when uh, he was in one of the deep parts of his life. 
My voice shall, you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct it to you. I will look up. Psalm 5, verse 3. There's resolve. Now, the answer is not found in the hills or the mountains. You could even go to Jerusalem, to the holy city. And if you don't know the Lord, being there is not going to change uh, your spirituality or you might have an eye-opening experience there. But my point is this. It's not the hills. Jeremiah 3.23 says, Surely the idolatrous commotion on the hills and mountains is a deception. Jeremiah 3.23. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. The ancients, the pagan nations, used to build the high places. They felt like if you could go to a mountaintop and get as close to the heavens as possible, you could build an altar to a god or a goddess with a small g, and there you would have a high place where you could worship. Maybe you'd experience a, a touch of the divine or heaven. But you all know that the location in and of itself is almost irrelevant. God can meet you anywhere. He can meet you on the top of a hill or in the lowest valley. He can lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. It says this in Psalm 43, 3 through 5. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God to my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre or the guitar, if you will, I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair? Psalm 43, verse 5, O my soul. Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help the help of my countenance and my God. When we go through difficulty, we tend not to look up, but to look down. If you're having a struggle in a relationship, maybe you're depressed. Uh, it could even be that your favorite team lost. What do you typically do? You go something like this. You know, maybe you've had a recent interaction where that was your body language. You know, some people are so beat up by life, they can't even look you in the eye anymore. It's like they walk with their head down. Turn over to Psalm 3 for a second. David wrote many of the Psalms at difficult parts of his life. And this is about as hard as it can get. The backdrop of Psalm 3 is Absalom, David's son, is trying to take the throne from David and kill his father. And David wrote these words in Psalm 3, verse 2. Many are saying of my soul, there's no deliverance for him in God. Selah, that's a pause. It, it's it's a, a moment of pause in the song, but it's a, a chance to meditate. Many people were saying to David, oh, he ain't, he ain't gonna get out of this one. Even God can't help him. But thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustains me. When I'm trying to handle things on my own, I can rotate things in my brain, lose sleep, you know, go from plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, double F, G, right? Trying to figure stuff out. But David said, no, my head's going to get lifted up because you're the lifter of my head and you're going to sustain me, Lord, when I feel alone and helpless. 
I lift up my eyes, Psalm 121, verse 1, to the mountains, to the hills. Where does my help come from? Verse 2 answers the question, my help comes from the Lord. You'll notice Lord is capped there, who made heaven and earth. And whenever you see Lord in a capital L and small caps O-R-D, that's always Yahweh. That's always the tetragrammaton, the four letters, literally, scholars will call it. It's the Y-H-W-H. So you will only see it capitalized if it's Yahweh. And this is the, na- the covenant name of God. When Moses saw the burning bush, the bush was on fire but not consumed, He goes up and he approaches the site and God speaks to him. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. Moses sheds the sandals and God calls Moses to go and deliver the people from Egypt. And Moses, after bantering back and forth, we won't go there for time's sake, he gets his commissioning and Moses says, okay, when I go and the people ask me who it is that sent me to them, what should I say? What's your name? And God famously says, Exodus 3, 14 and 15, I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And then he says, I am the Lord. This is Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. When you study this, scholars will say, Lord, Yahweh, and I am are moving in the same direction. They have this idea of the self-existent, eternal God. I am I always shall be, no beginning, no end, he is. Everything is contingent on him. He is what scholars call non-contingent. He just is. And when you go, Moses, you go telling them, I am has sent you. And just to kind of bring it home, and by the way, he's the creator of the heaven and the earth, just in case you needed to be reminded who he is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just think for a moment. Think about the majesty of the universe. There are about 20 million forms of plants and animals just on this planet. Fish under the sea. Some of them swim and they have colors and you're like, whoa, what is that thing? And it's just moving along and you're like, God is a God of variety and majesty. But the only thing that he made in his image is you. And he so loved you that he gave his only son. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Yahweh. Amen? My help comes from the Lord who made everything and sustains everything by the word of his power. That's the one we're dealing with right now. The one who made everything, the one who made your circulatory system and the eyes through which you see the world. The one who created self-healing of the body and reproduction and the beauty of seeing a baby's eyes and so many more things, a bird in flight, the power of the ocean. Our God is an amazing God. And we must be reminded here, this is the one to whom we look. Not some pie in the sky, not some wishful thinking. No, Yahweh who made everything. This is the God with whom we have to do. And as the pilgrims were moving 
towards the holy city. This is what they needed to know. He's the God of help. Now, I have questions that I ask sometimes when I'm looking at things like this, like, okay, maybe you'd say it this way. Okay, preacher, how does he help? You ever think about that one? Okay, if I'm asking for help, how does God help us? Let's turn to two verses in the book of Hebrews. If you're taking notes, these are verses you're going to want to write down. I'll keep it simple. Hebrews 2.16 and 4.16. Just write those down. These will be lifelong navigation verses. Hebrews 2.16 and 4.16. Before we read them, I want to just share with you one way that God helps. One way that God helps us is through his body. Don't overlook that. In 1 Corinthians 12, Christ is the head, we are the body. The head sends signals to the body when one part is hurting. You ever gotten up at night and stubbed your pinky toe on the wall? Oh, it's a little digit. But if you hit it, you will let out screams in the night. I have a pastor friend years ago, he was tying off a boat on the dock and his pinky toe got caught in the rope and the boat started to move away from the dock and he goes, Aah! and the little separation of the pinky toe. Yep, that'll get your attention. Now here's the point. The head of the body, Jesus, sends out signals to the body, us, and we go to parts of the body that are hurting to be his hands and his feet. How does he help? One way is through his body. But you got to be on call and ready to receive marching orders from the head. And you guys do a great job of that. We hear somebody's hurting. The body gets sent out by the head of the church, Jesus, and we go and we minister. We help one another. We even have a spiritual gift called the gift of helps. Now, this is the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Take a look at Hebrews 2.16. It says, For assuredly, and it's speaking about Jesus now, Jesus, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. That's anybody who's a believer is a descendant of Abraham. Therefore, Hebrews 2.17, Jesus had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, Jesus died for our sins rose from the dead, ascended back into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, but he has a current ministry to us. You know what his ministry is to us? It's called the high priestly ministry. In chapter seven of Hebrews, it says he's ever living to what? To intercede for us. He's constantly working in our lives, interceding for us. And here's what it says. It says, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He saved us by coming. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to help or come to the aid of those who are tempted. How does he help? And when was Jesus tempted? Well, we know the temptation 40 days in the wilderness, Satan uh, tempting him. But there was another temptation moment in Jesus's life that I think this is talking about. And it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And three times he fell on his face and he said these words, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He looked over and the disciples were snoring. 
And he said to them, couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Luke tells us, Luke was a medical doctor. This is a little bit debated. That Jesus was in so much agony. This is one view. That tiny capillaries under his skin were bursting and he was bleeding out from his uh, sweat pores because of the weight and prospects, not just of the physical suffering of the cross, but the experience of separation and all of that experience. I don't fully understand all the angles of it, but my God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Why have you forsaken me? What was the temptation in the garden? To give up. To recoil from the reality of the cross. If it's possible, hear the words. If there is another way, please, let's take that. But not my will, but yours be done. When you face temptation, perhaps your greatest temptation will be to give up. To give up on what? On your marriage? To give up on your faith? To give up on people? To give up on your walk with Christ? Whatever it may be. And when you hit those crossroads, you have a high priest ready and able to help. Not only that, he completely understands because he lived it. Amen? In the garden. He lived it in the temptation in the wilderness. And that's, that's the two records that we have, but there's probably much more that he faced in terms of temptation. This is our high priest. Flip over to chapter four. Just take a look at one more. I told you it's 2.16 and 4.16. Take a look. Go back to verse 15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, plural, but one, Hebrews 4.15, who has been tempted in how many things? In all things as we are, yet without sin. Now, Jesus is a sympathetic high priest. He empathizes with our weaknesses, plural. What does he know about our weaknesses? He knows human weakness because he became fully human. He knows what it means to feel pressure, to feel tired, to be abandoned, to be betrayed, to be falsely accused. You can go down the whole list. He understands human weaknesses and sympathizes. So sometimes when we, we want to lift up our eyes to the throne room and we say, sometimes we get a little sheepish, like, well, should I bring this up again? <laughs> How many times do I need to talk about this weakness to my great high priest? As often as you need to, because he understands. Because he knows our weakness as humans. And I'll tell you, when we stare our weaknesses in the face, sometimes it's ugly. We know how weak we can be. But here's the good news. If you, if you decide to call upon the name of the Lord in your weakness. Help will come from heaven. Now, I want to I point out just a, a phrase here and give you a Greek word. See, uh, and this is in verse 16. This is kind of the, the wrap on it. Therefore, in light of who Jesus is, what he did for us, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of what? Grace, 
so that we may receive mercy and grace to help. This is not saving grace. This is sustaining grace. This is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness grace. Grace to what? To help in time of need. See the little phrase to help? That's a single Greek word. It's called botheo in Greek. If you look it up in a lexicon, it's actually a word used in the nautical world of shipping. Here's what they would do. If you look up at the word, they would, they would frap the hull of a ship. This means you'd run cables along the whole hull of a ship to stabilize it in the storm. This is the word to help. And what the Lord does is this. When we're in the storms of life, he sends stabilizing grace into our lives. Amen? So we may be, the storm winds are blowing. He doesn't always still the storm, I've noticed. Sometimes he does. But he provides help in stabilizing me in the storm. Amen? This is what you can count on from our God in heaven. I do not understand everything that happens in this life. I have a lot of questions. But I get invited to a throne of grace, not of judgment, where a mercy seat is found to get mercy and help in time of need. That is our God. I lift up my eyes to the mountains, back to Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. This is the sustaining grace of our God. And here are some further promises to walk it out. He will not, verse 3, allow your foot to slip or to be moved. The idea is one of tottering or falling. He who keeps you or watches over you, Psalm 121, verse 3, will not slumber. He's able to keep you from falling, Jude, verse 24, or from stumbling. He who keeps you doesn't sleep. There's a song I have on a, a loop that I've been listening to and the singer sings these words. Do you hear the prayers that people pray? I think that's a question that everybody asks at some point in their journey. Do you hear when I pray, oh Lord? Do you hear? I mean, think about it. There's a lot of prayers going up all over the world. <laughs> Amen? A lot of prayers for help and sustenance and healing and whatever it might be. Do you hear the prayers that people pray? Our God made the heaven and the earth. Amen? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He knows. The law of God is in the heart of the wise person. His steps do not slip. Psalm 37, 31. Wait for the Lord. This is verse 34. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the work, wicked are cut off, you will see it. Psalm 37, 34. This is Proverbs 3. It says, my son, verse 21, let them not depart from your sight. That is wisdom. Keep wisdom, uh, sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and adornment around your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Don't be afraid of sudden fear nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Everybody turn over to Psalm 46 for a second. 
I love Psalm 46. It's a wonderful song about help, and it anticipates questions that are going on in the world. I watch about a half an hour of Fox News, and I'm disgusted. <laughs> I, I got to go back to Psalm 46, man. Here's what Psalm 46 says. Our God, God is our refuge and strength, verse 1. He's what? A very present help in trouble, praise God. Therefore, we won't fear. Well, what if the earth was changed, we might say, or the mountains slipped into the heart of the sea? What if those mountains we're talking about fell into the ocean? What if the ocean was roaring and foaming? What if there were floods and tsunamis? What if the mountains were quaking? Southern California, just write that in your margin. At its swelling pride, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She won't be moved. God will help her, Psalm 46, verse 5, when morning dawns. Well, what about when there's unrest in nations and people and nations are shooting rockets and making threats? The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Pause, think about it, meditate. Come behold the works of the Lord who's wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Can you say it? Be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Pause and think about it. My beautiful wife is an artist, and in our home, she has uh, hung up scripture verses in very strategic places. And they're ones that I need to read frequently. And one of them is Psalm 4610, which says, Be still and know that I am God. I was talking to a brother in the fellowship who's gone through a very difficult season. And we're talking about biblical meditation. And I said, biblical meditation is different from the Eastern religions. The Eastern religions, you kind of do this. Um, um, which just means that you have questions. Um, um. And if you really want to put frosting on the cake, you stare at your navel as you um. And it will cause further questions, I guarantee it. Um. Like, how did I gain 10 pounds? Um, what is that lint doing in my navel? Um, <laughs> let me make a guarantee. You will find no compelling answers in your navel. However, biblical meditation is this. Be still. Breathe it in for a second. Be still and know. I am God. Now, when you start to muse on the God of the Bible and the promises of God and fix your mind on there, and since God made your breath and breathing, you can even take some deep inhales and exhales, breathe in the word of God, if you will, if it helps you. This is biblical meditation. And this will help you in time of need. There are a lot of anxious believers. Let's face it, we all can deal with anxiety and worry and stress. It's a, it's a natural human condition. And that's when you got to breathe in a promise. And you got to have them strategically placed 
Somewhere where you can take it in and you can be reminded because your flesh will go the opposite way. Head will go down and you'll start trying to come up with a game plan to fix it. And this is the hope we have. We'll finish it in Psalm 121 if you turn back there. He who keeps Israel will neither, neither slumber nor sleep. He's never off the clock, aren't you glad? He's never napping or taking a vacation. <laughs> you, you cry out to heaven, oh, he's unavailable. How many of you go nuts with these modern systems of the phone where you basically get interviewed by a robotic voice when you call a number? Here's what I do. If you are uh, a member of the following services, then say yes or no. Yes! I scream. I, I, the fruits of the Spirit do not come out. <laughs> I'm like... Can I talk to a human? Thinking that the robotic voice will respond to my request. Please! There's a comedian, Brian Regan. He says that he was going into this store to buy something. And the employee said, would you like to sign up for the rewards program? And Brian responds, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> I just want to pay for the item and leave. I have cash. I'm begging you. <laughs> Don't tell me about the rewards program. Uh, yeah, you can see how spiritual I am, so I need all the help I can get. Anyway, he's never off the clock. He doesn't slumber or sleep. He doesn't get tired. He gives strength to the weary. We get tired. He doesn't. Lift up your eyes. Look around. Don't forget. The creator of the ends of the earth, he named every star. He gives strength to the weary. He's never off the clock, never on vacation. Always with us, always available. The Lord, verse 5, is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Amen? Shade is good, especially right now. Uh, we had a relatively mild July, but August has been no fun. And I'll tell you, if you're traveling in a caravan to find a shady spot to rest for a little while, was like a godsend. And the Lord says, I'm your shade on your right hand. The right hand is the place of honor, the place of the high priest. Because he is on my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, verse 8. You will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, verse 1. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. These are, this is a poetic way to say the heat of the day, tough situations, scorching heat, or the things that are scary at night. The treachery that can happen at night. I have people in the city of Corona who tell me that the downtown area becomes a different world at night in Corona. It's everywhere. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep or preserve your soul. That's the Hebrew word nefesh. God's concerned about our souls. Jesus said, what would a man exchange for his soul? He said, don't fear him who can kill your body. And after that, he has no power over you. Fear the one who can ruin or kill both soul and body and soul in Hades. That's Matthew 10, 28. Jesus said, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me ask you, how much is your soul worth? If, if you were approached and someone said, would you sell me your eyes for $10 million? Would you do it? You know, an evangelist goes out 
And he says to people, would you sell me your eyes for $10 million? And finally he comes across a smart aleck. It's usually a younger person who says, yeah, yeah. But for most people, they'd say, no, my eyes are precious to me. I won't sell them to you. And then he'll say, well, how much is your soul worth? More than $10 million? What will you exchange your soul for? Well, God is concerned about the soul. We're we're, going to leave this place at some point. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. Brethren, what does it say? From this time forth and what? And forever. Lord, thank you for this beautiful psalm, for the promises that it grants us. We lift up our eyes collectively to the hills, to the mountains. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth. To our great high priest, Jesus Christ, thank you that you're in heaven interceding for us, Lord. Thank you for sending the helper, the Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us through the good days and the tough ones. I pray that you would send out stabilizing grace to the members who are in need right now, who have great need those who may have wandered into this place for the first time, that they would see that their greatest need is for the gospel, for the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray with your head and heart bowed, if you're not sure that your soul is secure, he is the lover of souls and he loves you. That's why you're here. That's why you've heard this message. You have to have a moment when you entrust your soul to him, to his care, He died on the cross and paid for your sins, but you've got to have a moment when you repent and trust in him for your salvation, him alone. Why don't you do that right now? Just cry out to him. You don't have to have perfect words, but confess your sin. You've sinned against God. We all have. Tell him that you are grateful for his death on the cross and his resurrection. Place your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've been wandering and trying to do it on your own, and you've, you've hit some tough spots, some hard, cold, hard realities, doing it without him or without his leading. Help is available from heaven. Cry out to him. And Father, for this wonderful church, I just want to thank you again for who they are and how they represent you in this, in this world. I pray you'd bless them and keep them Shine your beautiful face upon them and give them peace. In Christ's name.